What is up, family? Today is January 6, 2021, the time of me recording this. And I wanted to just put out this little bonus episode to talk about MF Doom. The story is that MF Doom passed away on none other than Halloween of 2020. Except the world only found out about six days ago on New Year's Eve. I'm not here to try to give you the whole life story of who Daniel Dumoulin was. And instead, I'm just trying to give you a few words about what Doom meant for me and what I think Doom meant for me and many others like me uh, when it comes to his influence and his impact on the genre. Without question, MF Doom is easily one of the most influential figures to ever grace the mic in hip-hop. He was known for this raspy baritone voice that is uniquely his own, crazy intricate internal rhyme schemes, and finally this unique aesthetic of having no aesthetic except a metal mask on his face. And in some interviews that I've read and watched of MF Doom, basically what I can grasp in terms of the reasoning for this aesthetic that he employed was basically that he was tired of rap being predicated on the corporatization of the genre and the product and packaging and marketing surrounding an artist versus just their pure, raw, unfiltered skills. And it was for this reason that he adopted this mask so that you would only focus on the rhymes and that's it. You wouldn't focus on his looks or a sense of fashion. It was just the rhymes. It was just the music. And obviously, as he has mentioned himself, there was the added appeal of it fitting into this Metal Fingers persona that he created and the whole theatrics behind it. But at the end of the day, the core was that he wanted us as the listener to focus on the music. And I find that really admirable, especially as we can fast forward now in hindsight in 2021 it can be a TikTok, it can be a music video it can be the person who the rapper is dating it could be any of these things that make an artist blow up and be regarded so highly by the masses when their music could still be trash so his dedication to don this mask in all of his interviews and really go all in in this effort to make us as the listener focus on the craft, focus on the skill, focus on the quality of the music, I find that incredibly commendable. It was so unique, but it was also very risky. I mean, he is right that rap was getting more and more commercialized and therefore how the product would sell was largely predicated on the marketing and the packaging and the look of a rapper. So for him to just deny all of that, It probably closed a lot of doors for him at first, so hats off to him for really rethinking and reimagining how an artist could carry themselves in their career. It's also kind of beautifully ironic that the rapper that made it a point to make the listener focus on the music and the music alone has led a career that has featured the strongest artistic direction of any rapper of all time. The artistic direction with MF Doom's career should be studied in art schools everywhere. 
it is beyond iconic. Absolutely every piece of art associated with that man is spectacular. So now if we move to what he would want us to focus on, which is his musical contributions and impact on the genre of hip-hop, like many of us rap diehards, Doom was the guy that introduced us to the underground left field side of hip-hop, especially people in my age group under the age of 27, really. I feel like MF Doom was one of our main starting points. His influence musically, especially when it comes to the internal rhyme schemes that he brought to the table each and every verse, that influence can be found in so many of today's rappers that you can't even name them all. Some of his most notable babies are Earl Sweatshirt, Rock Marciano, Ka, and many more. Another really unique thing that Doom brought to the table was really highly conceptual albums. Now obviously he wasn't the first person to make a concept rap album, I'm not trying to make that claim. But what I am trying to say is that Doom had such an uncompromising commitment to theme and to fulfilling the album's purpose and that's it. I've never in my life heard a track from a Doom album that sounded like it served any other purpose other than executing his artistic vision for a given album. There's no weird radio friendly tracks, no forced collaborations, no random song even that just had nothing to do with the album's themes or motifs but just sounded dope. Even the worst of Doom's albums, each and every one of them succeeded in bringing you into this world of the supervillain Metal Fingers Doom and you were just completely immersed into the world whether you liked it or not. And that just shows how Doom was such a true visionary that genuinely influenced an entire movement of oddballs and rap that wanted their voice heard that maybe up until Doom didn't feel like they belonged, didn't feel like they fit into the usual customs and and usual personas that rap previously celebrated and pushed. Finally, the last thing I want to highlight is that obviously Doom was renowned as a lyricist, as he should have been, but he often gets overlooked when it comes to his production work. Doom brought such a unique sound to his instrumentals. He often used very odd 80s samples, unique drums that had a very throwback, golden age, hip-hop kind of vibe to it that really felt odd when I first heard it. I remember kind of liking Doom when I first heard him, but hearing tracks like The Finest off of Operation Doomsday felt so strange. I just kept thinking, this beat, it just doesn't work. That's not how rap should sound like. This sounds so goofy. It sounds so mechanical and rudimentary, but over time, that sound just grew on me so much. There's something so endearing about the way Doom produced beats, especially when we talk about his adventures into sound collage, like on that middle portion of Mm Food where there's four skit tracks in a row. 
like many of us, I was like, yo, I want you to rhyme on these beats. What the hell are you doing? This is five minutes straight of instrumentals and no raps on an MF Doom album. This is stupid. But then like most things with Doom, you just eventually get it and you realize the genius in it. And now I love those instrumentals. I love those tracks because it just adds to the character and to the atmosphere of this weird food-based experience that makes so many interesting parallels to real life and to the rap game in general. So now before I wrap this episode, I want to just give some album recommendations for those who have not been blessed to have heard MF Doom's catalog to date. I'm not trying to gatekeep a legend who has passed away. I don't understand the point of that. I think the world would be a better place. It would be a net positive if everybody was bumping some doom. So I'm going to try to contribute to that cause in any way I can. So I think the most accessible album out of MF Doom's catalog is actually maybe not a popular opinion, but I think it's Vaudeville Villain. So this project was MF Doom's first project under the alter ego Victor Vaughn. And what I think makes this album the most accessible out of his catalog is that I find it's his most loose. And that's due to the persona that he adopts, Victor Vaughn, who's more vulgar. And I find as well the beats, although they're definitely not your traditional standard hip hop for that time, as this album came out in 2003. But I do think that this project sounds like a spaced out, off kilter version of more traditional boom bap based hip hop. As well as there's a lack of some of the more sound collage experimentation and heavy skits that we would see on other MF Doom projects. And then finally, I just think it's a great showcase of how much of a talented lyricist Doom is, as there's less layers and complexities in his rhymes, in my opinion, which allows you more easily as a newbie listener to Doom to kind of soak in his greatness. What I would think now is the most essential album of his catalog to really understand his greatness and his artistry the best that would be the first project that Doom put out under the moniker MF Doom, and that's Operation Doomsday, which came out in 1999. This is the first project that we hear from him after he had experienced the unfortunate events that surrounded Subrock, his brother and previous groupmate in his previous group, KMD, which is actually quite a dope group. They released a handful of pretty dope projects, to say the least. It was after that event of his brother unexpectedly dying and then his Black Bastards project with that group KMD that got shelved due to some usual label bullshit. He was in a tough place and then returned out of nowhere with this masterpiece. And this masterpiece showcases all of the intricacies and the qualities of a Doom album that you just can't get anywhere else. You have the skits, you have the Metal Fingers imagery, you have the supervillain theme and skits, and you have his 
off-kilter, weird production, and his absolutely impeccable rhymes. And then finally, what I would say is his best project in my opinion, and I think this is definitely a very popular opinion, is his 2004 collaboration with Madlib entitled Mad Villainy. Mad Villainy is easily one of the best albums ever made, period, any genre, full stop. I have so many things I could say about this album, but I'm not trying to make this episode an album review, so all I'll say is that this is Madlib's best batch of beats, this is what you have potentially come to expect from him if you are familiar with his catalog, which is incredibly idiosyncratic, jazz sampling, colorful, dynamite production. And then from Doom, you get more of the same in terms of what you would hear on his previous MF Doom projects post-1999, but it's just at its absolute apex. He was in a zone that was even rare for him, and this album was also very influential and impactful when it came to how it was constructed, as many of these tracks clock in at well under the usual standard three minute mark and it has this vignette style where you're just given this beautiful wrap box of candy basically where every piece of candy is absolute fire and that's one of the things that i love so much about this project is that you can put it on and no matter where you are in the track list within moments you're just going to be brought into a million different places musically and lyrically and all of it just comes together perfectly it's an absolute classic and that is what i would consider his best work you know to end off this episode i just want to leave you with a couple of stray thoughts that i've had over these past few days as i've been processing this just absolutely immense loss to rap and the world in general I was watching his Red Bull Music Academy interview. If you haven't, go check that out. It's on YouTube. And I was re-watching some of the clips. And in watching this interview, what struck me and what took me aback was really honestly nothing he was saying because I had watched it previously. I was actually just taken aback by how regular this man looked. His style was so normal looking. He just looked like a dad who drank a lot of beers with his big beer belly and dressed in a boring-ass sweater. And it was that moment when it really hit me that he's gone. Because at the end of the day, this rapper who wore the metal face, he was just a normal human being, but a family. And it's just such a tragedy to see him pass away. I don't have any information as to why he passed, but to see this regular dude on the screen on my laptop and know that he's not there and to know that it was that same guy that brought me so many wonderful moments and memories as one of my favorite artists who probably brought me out of so many bouts of depression and anxiety when I would just play mad villainy play mm, food play take me to your leader and just zone out and feel good for a second. It's just terrible that he's gone. 
But I don't want to end it here on that note because I want to mention that I listened to Doomsday, the track off of Operation Doomsday, a couple days ago after his death. And this was a song that I actually would usually get kind of depressed listening to in the past. And that was because it would bring me back to when I first heard it and when I would really, really spin this album constantly. And that's when I was about 15 or 16 years old. This song in particular was the one I played the most. I loved it. But it was that hook that can be seen as peaceful, but it also can be seen as kind of somber and and melancholic. And I definitely interpreted it that way when I was hearing it back then. And it just brings me back to that depressed, lonely, and really anxious self that I was back in the day. That hook by Pebbles, The Invisible Girl, just evokes so many emotions out of me. So it's often a song when I hear it, even at age 25, it would make me feel a little weird. It's a song that I don't always go back to, only unless I'm listening to the whole album in full. But now, in light of the fact that Doom is passed away and no longer in this world, when I listen to this song, the meaning has just magically changed in my mind. Now the song just reminds me that no matter how meaningful your contributions are to the world, you can just be taken away in an instant. And I don't mean that to be more negative, I actually mean that as a positive thing. Because that means that, and I know it's cliche, but it means that life is precious. It means that what I'm living in this very moment as I record is precious, it's worth something. And maybe one day I could make something, create something that could evoke as many emotions as the track Doomsday did in me, in other people. Because even if something like a piece of music makes you sad, it makes you feel something at the end of the day. And I think that is incredibly special. And what I feel is a fleeting moment in today's hyper-commercialized and plastic society. It was an honor and pleasure to feel something from MF Doom's music, and I'm so thankful he came into this world. I hope his family is doing well. I hope his family is getting through this really tough time. And I hope that if Doom is listening somewhere from a supervillain perch in heaven, I just want to thank him and tell him that his music inspired me and an entire generation of people. So I think that's something that he should be incredibly proud of. R.I.P. man. See you on the other side.
So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this helped you understand what music to check out or stay away from. And now that I've spoken, it's your turn to make your voice heard. So let's keep in touch. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rowview, R-O-H-V-I-E-W, to connect with me on a personal level, where you'll be able to interact with my thoughts and perspectives on music, surely, but also on politics and sports as well. If you're an artist who wants to get their new song or album reviewed on the show, hit me up via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or just send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. I would love to give you public feedback through a review or private feedback if that's what you'd prefer. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.